Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. A Flyers Daily episode for Saturday, January 15th. And we are back at it tonight. Flyers and the Rangers at Wells Fargo Center. Rangers right now sitting in the top spot of the Metropolitan Division. 38 games played, 24-10-4, 52 points, 6-3-1 in their last 10. They won their last one over San Jose. More on that in a moment. And they're sitting in the, the top and the penthouse of the Metropolitan Division. Now they've played four more games than the Carolina Hurricanes, who are just two points back. And they've played one more game than the Washington Capitals, who are three points back. The Flyers right now sitting in the sixth spot in the Metro. 36 games played, 13-16-7, and 33 points, 3-4-3 in their last 10. They've lost six straight, and it's the Flyers and the Rangers tonight. These two teams faced each other earlier this season, just one time, all the way back on December 1st. It was the Rangers at Wells Fargo Center, and the Rangers came away with a 4-1 win on that night. Now, the Rangers, since the break, have a record of 5-3 and three since the Christmas break. They lost to Florida, they lost to Vegas, and they lost to the Kings 3-1. to They beat Tampa in a shootout in Tampa. Then a couple days later on January 2nd, they beat Tampa at the Garden 4-0. So they beat Tampa in back-to-back games. No easy task. Then they beat the Edmonton Oilers in New York. They also beat Anaheim 4-1 to on the road. And the last game prior to the one tonight against the Flyers, which will wrap up a five-game road trip for them. They were out west. Vegas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose. Flyers wrap it up tonight for their five-game road trip. And that last game against San Jose, a stolen win, something we've seen a lot of times with this Ranger team this year. Now, Steve Valiquette, the former Rangers goaltender, now broadcaster with MSG, has a company called CSA Hockey. It's Clear Sight Analytics. And he has 28 points of data, and he rates every shot, every scoring chance, and basically comes up with an expected goals model and rates every one of the scoring chances or shots. And you have your high danger, you have your mid danger, and your low percentage, and he gives it an expected goals for the game. Now, that game against San Jose was Igor Shosturkin in goal, and he's been a, a big part of it for the New York Rangers this season. 35 chances for the San Jose Sharks in the game. Eight of them were high danger chances with an expected goals of 2.7. Mid danger were nine chances and an expected goals on those of 1.36, and low percentage expected goals there were 0.43. All said and done, the expected goals in the game for the San Jose Sharks, 4.49. They got none. The Rangers, on the other hand, had 27 chances, six high danger, three mid percentage, and 18 lower percentage, and they came away with three goals on an expected goals of 2.21. So this is a team in the Rangers right now that's getting good goaltending. They've got dynamic forwards, they've had some good D, and they're sitting in the top spot in the division. How did this, how did they turn it around so quick? Well, first and foremost, they had a little luck in the lottery. They drafted uh, Capo Caco, number two overall, and then won the lottery and drafted Alex Lafreniere, number one overall. But that's not been the big reason why. This New York Rangers team is where they are because they're New York, and they had a couple players that wanted to play in New York. First and foremost, Artemi Panarin. He was that big free agent acquisition a couple of years ago. 33 games played for Panarin, 10 goals, 26 assists, 36 points, more than a point per game. Adam Fox, who won the Norris last year, 
also wanted to play in New York. 38 games played for the defenseman. This is a blue liner. Five goals, 32 assists, and he plays north of 24 minutes a night. 16 power play assists, one shorthanded goal, one shorthanded assist. I mean, he's got a ton of points. Only five goals and a a low shooting percentage of 7.1%. But Adam Fox has been an absolute just game changer for the New York Rangers. Chris Kreider having a good season as well. 38 games played, 23 goals, 11 assists, 34 points for Kreider. But that's not where it ends. You also have Mika Zibanejad. We know it too well from last year. Back-to-back hat tricks in two games in a row with the Flyers and six-point games to boot. Zibanejad, 38 games played, 13 goals, 21 assists, 34 points. And Ryan Strom, not bad either. 34 games, 8 goals, 19 assists, and 27 points. They added some pieces over the summer. They added Barkley Goudreau. He's got 17 points. They added Jacob Truba a couple years ago. He's got 16 points. They had Ryan Reeves in the offseason for a little toughness after Tom Wilson ragdolled Artemi Panarin. That's not going to happen again. He's playing only 10 minutes a night, but he's got six assists on the season. And this Rangers team, a lot of people kept expecting the bottom to fall out. Were they real going into this season? This seemed way ahead of schedule. But now that we're 38 games into the season, and they have done what they've done so far this year, this Rangers team is legit. They may not be the top team in the Metro all said and done, because like I said, Carolina has games in hand on them, but this is a good Ranger team, and the Flyers will have to beat a good team coming up tonight, coming off that 3-2 loss against Boston on Thursday. Now the Rangers, when you look at goals four per game, they don't light the world on fire from a scoring perspective. 19th in the NHL, they average 2.84 goals per game. It's amazing they have the record they do, averaging under three goals per game. The big big reason why is what I alluded to just a minute ago, and that was Igor Shosturkin, Georgiev, the goaltending has been excellent. 2.45 goals per game. It's the second least amount in the NHL. The only team that allows less goals average per game is the Carolina Hurricanes at 2.32. They're ahead of the Leafs, the Bruins, the Penguins, Calgary, Kings, some stingy teams. This is a good, good Rangers team, and it's going to be a tough contest tonight at Wells Fargo Center. Now, with that said, I decided to put a solicitation on Twitter for some Twitter questions heading in uh, to this game tonight. So let's get all, let's get so let's get to a few. Eric Rothstein tweets in Flyers. Eric, how you doing, man? Uh, he said simply his question: What the hell happened to this team? You know, Eric, that that's a a multi-layered, multifaceted episode on its own. (laughs) But in a nutshell, the team and Chuck Fletcher in this offseason heading in went out and made some changes, significant changes. I think seven to nine new faces and significant guys were sent away and significant additions were made. Now, the problem is Ryan Ellis has played four games. Problem is Derek Broussard, who's on a veteran minimum, gave the Flyers some good hockey, but he's been injured. Sean Couturier, we knew he was nursing something. He started out the season with 12 points in his first 10 games, and then all of a sudden his production dried up, and he didn't look like Sean Couturier. Then we come to find out eventually he goes out on IR. He's dealing with an injury. Hopefully we'll get some info on that in the coming days. And obviously COVID has hit the Flyers like it's hit every team. COVID, is, that, that's nothing unique to the Flyers, that they've been hit with COVID and had to deal with it. Every team in the NHL has. 
but they have not handled adversity well. The schedule was tough and at a bad time for them, but all in all, the team, I guess, failed to forge an identity and a winning identity with all the guys in and out of the lineup. And to me, that's been a big detriment. And right now, the math is really difficult for the Flyers to get into this playoff race. Let's go to Stagger Lee, Ed Riddy, my buddy. He says, I'm intrigued by your Marner and Chikrin trades. I threw those out uh, the other day on Monday's episode with Bill Meltzer. My point was that you need a star player. You need somebody that lifts your butt out of the seats, an electric player. So I said, you know, if the Leafs fail again, they'll trade Marner and you'll send some pieces to Toronto. You'll send some D up there. You'll send uh, a high-priced winger up there because you got to match dollar for dollar and Marner's making a lot of it. And if I'm trading one of my D, whether that's Provorov or Sanheim in that package, then I got to replace a left-handed D and preferably a number one. And I said, well, let's go get Jeff, uh, Jacob Strickern, the son of Jeff Strickern, former flyer, who is on the block in Arizona. Now, he's probably going to be traded at the deadline. But I threw that out there and you know, Bill kind of bid on it too and liked it. But Ed said, assuming Wade Allison and Ryan Ellis come back, the Flyers trade G, JVR, and Risto at the deadline, you need to sign a top six forward and a top four defenseman. Who are you signing not named Giroux? I can't believe we're talking about this already. Well, I mean, one of the names that's obviously out there in the free agent market is Johnny Gaudreau. And we all have this belief in Philadelphia that anybody that is from this area as a pro athlete has a burning desire to play in this city. Now, that's not always true. I don't know if Johnny Hockey wants to play for the Flyers. I don't. I've never heard him go on the record. He's been a member of the Calgary Flames. He's not going to go on the record on that. There's an assumption that he would die to play here, but I don't know that that's true. And take Mike Trout as an example, the Millville native. Everybody assumed that Mike Trout would walk his contract to free agency and come back and be a Philly because he wants to play in his hometown. And he loves going to Eagles games and Sixers games and Flyers games. He's a big Philadelphia sports fan, loves the community, blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. He extended in Anaheim. And from what I understand, I know some people that know him, he wanted to play out there. He didn't want to come back here. Coming back home comes with a lot of distractions and comes with an even bigger bullseye. A player like Mike Trout, already carries a big bullseye because he carries a big paycheck and he's a great player. Johnny Gaudreau would carry that same type of thing. So I don't know that Gaudreau would want to be here. As far as defensemen go, I haven't really even looked at the pending free agency market. There's some interesting names out there. Tomas Hurdles, an interesting name that's going to be a free agent. Of course, the center just scored a hat-trick against the Flyers for the San Jose Sharks, prime of his career, 27 years old. Going to cost you good money, but he's a guy that I would look at for sure. Dave TX, I guess TX stands for Texas. I'll assume that, Dave. But Dave says, wondering, does this lineup need a fire and brimstone coach that just whips the ever-loving bleep out of them? A sense of urgency has seemed missing for years. Maybe they need someone who might inspire a little fear in them. He said, I'm not a big torts fan, but maybe that type. Hashtag Iron Mike. Well, Elaine Vigneault was a guy that tried to instill fear in them. He was a, a hard-driving coach, not to the level of torts. And a lot of what you see from torts in the media is 
towards making himself the enemy and taking the pressure off of his players, which is why a lot of guys really like playing for him. And you would think that Torts would burn himself out in each city he's at with the players if the media presence was how he was in the room. But it's not. That's a bit of a show from John Tortorella because he was with Tampa for seven seasons. He was with the Rangers for five seasons. He was with Vancouver for one season. He burned himself out there quick. And then he was with Columbus for six years. He doesn't have, for the most part, short coaching tenures anywhere he goes. And he doesn't burn out the players. He gets a lot out of them and he's demanding. But as far as, you know, does this lineup need a fire and brimstone coach? I think they had that in Elaine Vigneault. And I don't know that with today's pro athlete, you can have a guy like Mike Keenan come in and, you know, perform the antics that he performed as a head coach with today's athlete. You just can't do it. Carl S. tweets in with several questions, and we'll start with number one. He says, do you think we get a first and a B-level prospect for Drew? Yeah, I would think a first is certainly in order for a player of his caliber. Flyers can retain some of the money as well. That helps the return. And the big part of it, though, is that you got to get multiple teams involved in any discussion for him. And when you do that, you drive up the price, and that's how you get first-round picks when multiple teams are interested in a rental player. As far as the B-level prospect, yeah, that make, I would think that would make sense. You're not going to get an A-level prospect and a first. His second question was, do you think that Giroux re-signs here in the offseason? He could. I, I, you don't usually see that, though. When a guy leaves as a rental, he doesn't really go back and sign with the team that traded him. So I would put that at less than 50%. Uh, his third question, if Rasmus Ristolainen is Matt... Will Rasmus Ristolainen be traded at the deadline? He's on the final year of his deal. I'd like to re-sign him. He's not an old player. He's 27. And I think that he has brought everything that you hoped he would bring and a little bit more. But he is a guy that could get you something at the deadline for sure. And if multiple teams are looking for what he brings to the table, and that could be the situation, you could maybe even flip him into a first. You gave up a first to get him in Robert Haig, but maybe you could... Uh, recoup some of that, and you could sign him like you can Drew in the offseason. And his last question was about Chuck Fletcher. Is Chuck Fletcher in trouble? He said, Chuck Fletcher's made a mess of this situation. We've gone from bad to worse. And I don't necessarily agree with that. This team that Chuck Fletcher went out and made a lot of changes. A lot of those changes were at the behest of his head coach, giving the coach what he wanted. It's hard to judge his offseason when Ryan Ellis has only played four games. And this isn't an injury that he's dealing with that he's dealt with before. So it's not like he had a bum knee and his knees hurt and you go, well, you should have known that you couldn't count on him because, you know, he's got a bum knee and now his knees hurt and he can't play. That's not this. This is a totally new injury for him. I don't know what it is, but you can't really judge it when Kevin Hayes had double core surgery. Broussard's been hurt. Ellis has been out. Couturier's hurt. I mean, this team has a lot of situations and, they sound like excuses. I get it. But I don't know that he's made a mess of the situation. In my opinion, the Cam Atkinson deal has worked out very nicely. It's worked out for Columbus, too. Jake Voracek's playing well there. He's got 25 points, a goal and 24 assists. Cam Atkinson has worked out here. Has it led to wins? No. Has it led to a good record? No. But there's still a lot of work to be done. And like I've said in past episodes, first and foremost, 
they got to figure out the path they want to take and the identity of what they want to be. Until you do that, don't make moves. Kelly Blaze tweeted in and said, asked the same kind of question about Rasmus versus Alignment at the deadline. Can you get us a first? I answered that already, but he went on to say, what do you think about trading Jones and what does he get us? 22 and 23 drafts are deep and we need to at least recoup the seconds we traded for Ristolainen and Ghost. Time to retool and see what the young guys can do at the NHL level. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. And that's why I've said, you know, if Cam York's going to make some mistakes, let him make his NHL mistakes this year and let's keep him up. Let him, you know, integrate into the NHL in a year where you're probably not going to make the playoffs. And there may be other players that fit that bill as well. As far as what you can get for Jones, that's going to that's a real dicey market, the goalie market at the deadline. But some teams are going to be in need, and maybe you can get something for him. And he's played well enough to draw interest for teams that are looking for goaltending and looking for insurance policies. As far as getting, you're not going to get a first for him, but you may be able to get a, a late second or a third round pick for him. Not going to get a haul, but you can get something. Matt Frederick tweets in, he says, two questions. Ryan Ellis comes back this month or later. Any word on when he's returning? So let's take that one first. I, I don't know. I don't know. The last I heard that things weren't progressing and it was frustrating for him, weren't progressing as quickly as he would like. So I don't know what the latest is on that injury. So I can't give you an answer with any kind of insight or, or knowledge. I hope he comes back. I'd like to see him. And then his second question is, is, is a G trade a foregone conclusion if the play quality continues to be subpar? He said, thanks, man. Love the show. I appreciate that. Matt, um, I, think, I think it would be a foregone conclusion if they're sellers at the deadline. Drew's earned the right to be able to waive his no-move clause in certain situations to kind of choose a few destinations and try and get a deal done. I, I would not begrudge him one bit for doing that. And I think that he would want to go try and chase down a cup. But he does have kids. He's married. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if that comes to that. We all think it will, but we'll see in due time. Trade uh, deadline is March 21st. Ethan tweets in and says, out of the players acquired before this season, what players do you see staying next season? Great question. Well, obviously Cam Atkinson. He's under contract. Beyond that, it really depends on what they do with the deadline and how aggressive they get. Do they extend Rasmus Ristolainen or do they try and flip him for a pick? Do they, I don't see Yandel staying. I don't see Broussard staying. Ryan Ellis will, obviously, he's got term. Patrick Brown, I don't know. Zach McEwen, I, they grabbed him in the offseason as a, a waiver claim. I could see him staying. I liked what I've seen out of Zach McEwen. J-I-J-J-L-E, Jigily. I hope I said that right. He said last night, and he's referring to the Boston game, he said Carter Hart made a few mistakes with the puck. He said, but Jason, do you agree his puck handling has improved quite a bit from last year? Yeah, I think it has improved. It's not perfect, and you're right, in that game, it wasn't perfect. And the one behind the net, that was actually not his fault. That was on Braun. But the key to puck handling for a goaltender is to be decisive, to get the puck and know what your options are and execute. Get that six-foot, eight-foot pass off. When you wait as a goaltender, you just can't see the ice well. And you're not a guy that handles the puck a tremendous amount and pressure gets on you quick on your backside, middle, and they try and steal the walls. So the key 
is to get the puck and be very decisive. Make a quick decision and do not force it into pressure. Tommy's cold tweets in and says, which prospects are you most excited to watch? Well, for the remainder of this season, Cam York and Morgan Frost are the two because both are first round picks. Both, it's so key that both of these guys develop into really good NHL players. They need them to develop into really good NHL players. And they can get a lot of playing time. There's still a lot of season left. So I think those two are the ones that I'm most excited to watch because they're here now. And in my belief, they should stay here all season. Billy Mumphrey tweets in and says, if Tarzan Boy was the goal song, does this team struggle or are they hands down a playoff team? I remember Tarzan Boy being talked about when the goal song thing was going on, but I couldn't tell you what that song is. I'm so out of the loop when it comes to music. So I have no idea how to answer it. All right, last question comes from Logan G. He says, in your opinion, why can't the Flyers play like they did in the second and third period against Boston, night in and night out? They won't win every game, but at least put up a fight. In theory, you're absolutely right. But no team does that. There's ebbs and flows to a season. For example, the other night, the Toronto Maple Leafs lost to the Arizona Coyotes. The Leafs are a really good team. Arizona is a really bad team. And the Leafs lost to them. Got shut out. They outshot them significantly, but they lost to them. And sometimes you win when you don't play great, and that masks it. Sometimes you lose when you do play great, and the perception is that you didn't play well. But there's two teams out there, and they're all pros. But to your point, the second and third period against Boston, I thought was the Flyers played really well. They did not have a good first period, and they didn't, and they weren't able to execute on the five on three. To me, that was the difference in the game. All right, Flyers Rangers coming up tonight, Wells Fargo Center. Everybody, enjoy the hockey tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow in a breakdown episode right here on Flyers Daily. Oh, life is bigger.